When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our post-trade deadline edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We're putting this one up a little bit early because I thought that we needed to, to maybe get this out there in the world as soon as possible. So it's Mary Kay Cabot. Ashley Bastock and I, and we discussed the Browns' decision to not trade Odell Beckham Jr., what's next for Odell Beckham Jr., kind of the chaos of the day, uh, and then at the end we talk a little bit about just the trade that trade deadline in general and the Browns deciding not to make a move at all. If you're not a football insider subscriber, now's your chance to get involved. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. You get a newsletter every single day. Uh, I wrote the one, or I'm going to write the one that's going out on Wednesday. Uh, so if you hear this before then, there's still time to get signed up. Uh, you can also be one of our tech subscribers, and you get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. So again, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Go there to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I talking Browns at the trade deadline. And here we go now, recapping the trade deadline for the Browns, everything that went on. And Ashley, I'm going to start with you because this was your first trade deadline on the Browns beat with us. And boy, was it a doozy. So as, as you're seeing everything unfold today, starting with Odell Beckham Sr.'s dad posting, putting his post up on Instagram, LeBron James weighing in, chaos breaking out everywhere. What, what are you thinking? I mean, my first reaction was it's chaos everywhere except where it actually matters, right? Like in terms of moves being made, like it was just a bunch of social media chaos, which I mean, was a doozy in and of itself, like basically waking up to Odell Beckham Sr. posting that. I think it's like an 11 minute long video if you go to the actual YouTube link of Odell seemingly being wide open on all of these plays and them not getting him the ball. Um, and then a little while later to have LeBron James of all people weighing in on it. And then all of the jokes and the memes that come along with that. I mean, the, the doozy part of the day was really in the social media of all of this. And obviously not in, and I know we're going to get into the moves that happened and did not happen, but there wasn't much of that craziness in the moves itself for me and my first trade deadline. It was just watching all of this unfold in, on Twitter and Instagram. Mary Kay, what about you? As you're just seeing everything just break. I mean, this felt like old Browns a little bit today. Well, it's so incredibly rare. It really is very rare for a family member to make the news the way that Odell's dad did today. That usually doesn't happen very often uh, in the NFL. Now, sometimes when those things happen, the, the player will tell the family member to delete the tweet or the post, right? That didn't happen in this case. 
which I think is very telling. Uh, so th this to me was very significant. Uh, you know, depending on how it works out, I'm sure, let, let me put it this way. If Odell remains on the team and he's still here and he talks on Thursday and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure he'll have an out. He, he can say, that was my dad. Like my dad said that, that wasn't me. But, uh, you know, if Odell didn't want that up there, he could have either tried to talk his dad into taking it down or he could have commented on it. And he could have said, these are the views of my father and not me. And I'm all about the team and blah, blah, blah. We didn't see any of that. So this to me sort of confirmed that Odell Beckham Jr. would have welcomed a trade, which wasn't really going to happen because of his salary, or that he would otherwise still welcome some kind of departure, some early departure from the team. And so I think it still bears watching. And that was a blockbuster dad post. I mean, I'm sorry. And then for LeBron to weigh in, I mean, that just added to the, uh, to the drama of it all. I mean, we, you know, I knew it was going to be a dramatic week. It was going to be a dramatic Odell week. You know, Dan, you and I have even talked about that. Uh, we knew that, that something was going to be coming. We didn't know it was going to be quite like this, but wow, dad came through in a big way. Yeah, so I mean, let, let's just go this direction because when, when people hear this, the trade deadline is passed. We're obviously recording this after the trade deadline. So, I mean, let's actually start by spinning this forward a little bit because it's not just that his dad left the post up, but Mary Kay, he was in the comments. Like he's in the comments, doubling down on stuff, agreeing with people who are ripping on Baker. And, mm -hmm. and you're right, you know, maybe maybe Odell Beckham Sr. just isn't going to listen if, if Odell Jr. says take it down, but it is telling that the post was still up and I, I haven't looked right now, but it's, it's probably still up as we're talking. Mm -hmm. What happens on Wednesday? Cause Tuesday is a player's day off. What happens on Wednesday when Odell walks in that building and Baker walks in that building, Jarvis, all these guys are going to be sitting in that locker room, lifting, sitting in meetings, all of this stuff. What is the vibe mm -hmm. in that building on Wednesday morning? Well, first of all, um, there's going to have to be some damage control that's going to have to, okay. Um, this is assuming that Odell is back and I'm going to be, as we're tape, we're taping this on Tuesday, I'm going to be writing a column about what I think uh, might happen next. And some of the things uh, that I will plan to cover in there, uh, you know, I mean, they could decide to part ways. I mean, that is still right. a possibility. I mean, th this could be deal breaker. We're like, Hey, we can't work with this guy anymore. He can't work with us. Baker and Odell can't be together anymore. Uh, forget about it. it. This is over. So as we're taping this, Odell is still on the team. We don't know where that's all going yet, but let's assume for purposes of the discussion that they, uh, they do end up together, that they have to go back into that building together on Wednesday, face the music and figure out what's going to happen. Kevin Stefanski is going to have to address it in some fashion, but he's really good at that. He's really good at just, you know, almost like being a parent about these kind of things and, and handling it and managing it, or maybe even taking Baker and Odell aside and saying like, let's work through this. So there's going to have to be something like that, that goes on. And, um, and then they're going to have to uh, figure out a way to, you know, to make it make sense on the field. I mean, if, if you have Odell Beckham Jr. around and you're keeping him on the on the team, I mean, you really do want to get more out of him than just decoy slash blocker. But I mean, was this 
an egregious enough thing that happened where he's going to be in the doghouse now. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, Ashley, this is kind of the first big test, I think, for, for Kevin Stefanski as far as, uh, you know, obviously, look, COVID was a big deal, all that stuff, navigating all of that. But just as far as that player relationship side of things and the type of thing that can kind of tear a team apart, this is sort of Kevin Stefanski's first real test here as, as the Browns head coach in that regard. It seems like to me, and again, as a person who's still fairly new to covering this team and the NFL in general, but like managing those personalities and those egos in any professional sports league, or even in a big time college program is so key to the success of your team. And I really think so much of this stuff hinders on the egos of people who have, you know, high expectations for themselves in terms of what they should be producing and how often they should be getting touches and, and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think not only what he says publicly to kind of maybe calm all this down, because as you guys were talking there, I mean, I went back to Odell Sr.'s Instagram, that post is still up and he has been replying to people a lot more than um, I know the green checkmarked comment in replying to somebody was the big one that made the rounds this morning, but he's replied to a lot of people saying positive and negative stuff. So I think that, you know, it really comes down to Kevin Stefanski, what he's going to say publicly to maybe try to quell some of this because people are talking about it. They're going to be talking about it tomorrow. Still, I'm assuming when he talks. Um, And then like Mary Kay was saying, what is said behind closed doors to um, maybe try to salvage this between OBJ and Baker. And if it can be salvaged, so, so Mary Kay, what are, I mean, you've used that word if a number of times, if Odell Beckham is still with the Browns. So let's talk through the, the options that the Browns have here. Obviously, option one is everybody shows up Wednesday, they sort this out, and Odell starts on Sunday against the Bengals. And I don't know, the, the story turns to him returning to where he tore his ACL last year. That's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that easy. But what options are there beyond just the status quo well, I mean, they could, they could release him. And if they do release him, he would have to clear waivers now, because now after the trade deadline, a veteran has to go through waivers. So, but the thing is that a team would not do them the favor of picking him up and taking on the rest of his salary, which would be somewhere in the neighborhood of $8 million for the rest of the season. So, a team is very, very unlikely to do that. Therefore, the Browns will, would be very unlikely, I think, to just grant him his wish and let him go, uh, you know, in the traditional sense of releasing him and making a transaction that's, um, you know, that ends up on the waiver wire. Um, so I don't think they're going to want to do that because of, of the money. So... There, I've been thinking about a couple of things about how you could go about this. If, if I were Odell and I really wanted to be gone, I would strongly consider asking them to let him go and then him giving back or, you know, not, you know, not taking all the money, you know, like pay back some of the money somehow because he can go make more money from another team. So if he somehow finagles his way out and gives them back some of the money then maybe you can get another team to pay you whatever three million bucks for the rest of the season something like that okay I don't think that's going to happen but I'm just trying to think outside of the box um 
And then the other, one of the other options that I thought of an easy out for everybody would be for him to go have the shoulder surgery that he needs, right? He's playing with a, a badly sprained AC joint. And those are things that you can surgically repair because there are some torn ligaments in there that are supposed to hold down the collarbone. So, you know, that's, that's another way out for everybody. I mean, just get him out of there, go get him, you know, the, the surgery that he may or may not necessarily really need right now. Um, and then put him on IR, you know, that's one thing. Then, then another thing is to bring him in, talk this over with everybody and, uh, and see if there's a path forward where, where you can make, where everybody can make this work. And even though that seems crazy right now, I've seen so many people saying things about that. I've seen stranger things happen. Okay. I have seen stranger things happen, even though this is not ideal. I mean, look, things got really bad and weird with David Njoku to the point where didn't we think there's no way David Njoku can be back here. He's asking to be traded. He's, you know, doing some other things, you know, behind the scenes that people don't even really necessarily know about. And, um, and yet there's David Njoku out there playing football for the Cleveland Browns. So even though things got really, really weird and funky today, maybe there's a chance that you can get him back out on the field and get and have him help you get to the playoffs this season. So there are still a number of things that can happen. Yeah. I I do think it's, it's important to not just completely look at this and say it's untenable. Like it might feel like that. We're all kind of stuck in the moment today. And I think in, like in normal everyday life, sometimes this stuff, we look at it and it's like, oh, if somebody did that to me, I'd never, I'd never forgive them. But like the NFL and football, it's just, sports are just different. And in the end, if Odell Beckham can help you win and Baker Mayfield believes that Odell Beckham can help him win, you kind of just suck it up and deal with it and let things sort out at the end of the year if you have to, because the goal is, is to go, I mean, lots of, lots of people that don't like each other have won Super Bowls together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you can do that. I'm not even saying whether they like each other or not. We don't know hundred percent one way or the other. We certainly have some indications, but we, do, we don't know one way or the other, how they really feel about each other. So Ashley, when you hear all those options, I, I guess what, what in your mind feels most realistic right now, knowing, knowing everything could change by like Wednesday at noon, because we're, right. we're going to hear from Baker tomorrow. I mean, the most realistic one, I think of all the options Mary Kay just laid out is the last one that they try to make this work at this point. If they didn't get rid of him now, that seems like the most likely to me, but the shoulder surgery thing is very intriguing. Like if that does happen, that is the easiest way out of this situation and the quickest way out. I think for everyone without having to make a big like fuss over, over that sort of thing, if that does happen. Um, But really, I mean, truthfully looking at it, I do think they're, just going to try and work this out. And obviously, like you said, things could be very different 24 hours from now when we're talking about all of this. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, with nothing happened today before four o'clock, that just seems like the most likely, I think. Mary Kay, what do you think? Is the, I mean, what would you do if you're Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski? What, what, I, what do you think is the most realistic option? You know, I, I really think that I would, um, I would work through it. I would bring, uh, I would bring everybody in. I would, uh, I would have uh, Baker and Odell talk through it a little bit. And if you have to bring any other players in, I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, there have been, uh, you know, just maybe if any other players 
were involved in this in any way, shape or form, I would make sure that you kind of like attack it from those angles as well. And, uh, and then I would try to put it to rest and make sure that people aren't talking about it all week. And uh, then I would try to get really super focused on, on trying to just get that game plan going for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is such an important game. I mean, this is an enormously important football game. So I would be just trying to get everybody back focused on, on the game. And, um, and remember that um, Odell, when he was in New York, did that interview with, uh, with little Wayne, right. And, and Josina Anderson, where he, you know, he basically threw Eli Manning under the bus and they had to play together after that. I mean, that wasn't like, okay, he's gone the next day. I mean, it ended up, uh, hastening his exit from the team, but it was not an immediate thing. So this wouldn't be the first time that, you know, that he's had to go out and play with a quarterback that, you know, kind of feels a little bit dissed by, you know, him or his family or, or whatever the case may be. I've seen, you know, I've seen things like this happen, happen before. And, you know, you have to, you have to put it aside. I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's going to be, I think, incumbent upon Baker uh, to, to determine if he feels good about trying to throw to throw the ball to Odell after this, you know, you don't want necessarily that to be in his head. Um, So that's, that'll be interesting because we could already see that there were plenty of times where he didn't really feel comfortable throwing the ball to Odell. There was something to that video. Now Odell's not having a great season either. He's hurt. He's had some drops. Um, But there were plenty of times where Baker was like, nah, I think I'm going to go somewhere else with the football. Uh, So Baker's going to have to decide, you know, how do you feel about, you know, using Odell and, and making sure that he's a key part of this offense? So Mary Kay, I think one of the key points you made is this is a really big game against the Bengals on Sunday, right? I mean, if the Browns lose this game, the season's not over, but they're in a little bit of trouble as far as the playoff race is concerned, as far as the North is concerned. And I think it becomes even more devastating if we're going through this again and Odell's out there and he's not getting the football and Baker's not throwing to him and we're getting screenshots of him being wide open and the body language is bad. There's some real risk there in just kind of saying, hey, let's try and get through this. And then you go to Cincinnati and you lose, whether it's on a last second field goal or you lose by 10 points, whatever it is. Losing makes things more difficult. You go there and win, that fixes everything. But you go there and lose, and we're talking about some of the same stuff. it, It can get really difficult in that building, I think. I think there's a lot of risk there. There is a lot of risk there. And, and they actually really do, as an organization, have to put their heads together and determine the messaging and determine, determine the strategy and how they are going to handle all of this, uh, because there's a lot that goes into it, including, as you mentioned, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, let's not, I mean, we call this almost a must-win game because that's what it is. I mean, you if you lose this game and, and they go to six and four, I mean, yeah, no, they go to six and three and you go to four and five, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a big difference. That is a big difference in the, uh, in the AFC North race right there. So you definitely don't want that to happen. Um, and you don't want this to be, 
a distraction to the point where that's one of the reasons why you lose the game. I mean, it, there, there's just so many layers to this. Um, you know, I think that what the Browns can hope for is that it brings everyone together. It brings things out in the open. It's probably time for a, maybe a players only team meeting, maybe an offensive meeting. You know, it, it's probably time for something like that where they use this as an opportunity to come together as a football team and say, you know what, we're going to block out the outside noise. We're going to block out family members and, you know, and friends and social media and all that stuff. And we're going to put the blinders on. And I mean, because how many times has Kevin Stefanski preached that, right? He's preached that since the day he came in here, like, forget about all the noise. You know, they could, they could reduce this down to external noise if they want to. And that's probably what they're going to have to try to do unless they part ways with Odell over the next couple of days. If they don't do that, they've got to come together as a football team, especially Baker and Odell. Yeah. I, I mean, Ashley, how do, how do you think it plays out? I guess if the Browns go to Cincinnati, like if they do the status quo thing and they lose that game, it, it just feels like, like that's going yeah, to, I mean, don't make a decision tomorrow or Thursday or whatever. It almost feels like that's going to force a decision. They're going to have to do something. Yeah. I mean, I think if they lose that game, it just sort of spirals. And I mean, it's true. Like, winning cures all is a cliche because it's largely true. Like if they beat the Steelers on Sunday, all the conversations I think are quite a bit different. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe Odell Beckham senior still posts that uh, (laughs) on Instagram, unless Odell has some huge plays. I don't know, but I do think there is some truth to that, right? Like if you do win the narrative changes a little bit, and especially if you get that big division win uh, against a team that has been rolling so far this year and rolling when I don't think many people expected them to. So um, yeah, I mean, I do think there is some, some truth to that. And like Mary Kay said, it's as close to a must win regular season game, I think, as you can get, especially this year for them, given everything that's happened up until this point. You're right. If, if we're talking about all this, if that video gets posted and all this stuff happens in light of a win, I think the reaction from the fan base, I think the reaction on social media would have been, what is he doing? The Browns won. They just beat the Steelers. They're, you know, the Bengals lost to the Jets. They're barreling along. And I think that loss on Sunday does sort of frame this in a certain way in fans' minds. It's just the Steelers doing what the Steelers do to the Browns all the time. They just, right. they put this team in, the, in this fan base in, in complete chaos all the time. And like, not to go on too far of a side tangent, but like, as we're talking about this, I'm kind of reminded back to another Cleveland team, but the 2016 Cavs, when the playoffs started and everyone's like, oh, this team is falling apart. They can't stand Kevin Love. He doesn't seem to fit in. And then all of a sudden, like all it took was a couple of team dinners and some social media posts. And they had that little Kev thing going on on Snapchat and the narrative changed so fast. And it seemed like their bond sort of changed like before our eyes. Like I, I think in these situations, it doesn't take much kind of like I was saying earlier for these things to fall apart and for egos to be bruised and relationships to change and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, it doesn't take much to repair those things. I think when you're dealing with a pro sports team. The other thing I think to consider in all of this is what would they be like without Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean, would it be addition by subtraction? I mean, would Baker Mayfield fare better like he did last year when Odell Beckham Jr. was out of the lineup? Would he play a freer brand of football? 
I mean, I, you know, I don't know. There, there could be something to be said for that. I mean, they'd have to game plan in such a way that, you know, that Odell's not in the, in the plans. So they'd have to be more creative with, with what they're doing, especially with speed and going downfield. It doesn't help matters that Anthony Schwartz wasn't able to come through and make the contribution this year that they hoped he would make. And once again, I've said this many times, when you miss most of the offseason and when you miss most of training camp, especially if you're a rookie, it's very difficult to catch back up and make a significant, meaningful contribution right away in your rookie year. So, I mean, it's late now. He probably doesn't get very many uh, first team reps or anything like that. But, you know, I, I wonder, what do you guys think about that? Could it actually be better for all involved if they do part ways and uh, find a way to move on without him? Well, Mary Kay, I know you're watching Succession right now, and I don't know at which point of the series you're at, but Uh-oh, in the season no two finale, it's not a spoiler, it's not a spoiler, but it, <laughs> it's basically what Mary Kay was saying, where Tom says to Shiv, I wonder if the sad I would be without you is less than the sad I am with you. And I mean, that's basically like what you're saying. Like, I mean, it just is, it is accurate. Sometimes they're it is better for everyone if you you separate or, or do whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't know how feasible that is at this point. But I just had to make my succession reference <laughs> because I am a big succession head. Um, so Dan, you probably have more to add, but I just had to get that in there. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Shiv and Tom are breaking up? <laughs> no, 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 no spoilers, no spoilers. It's just a conversation, but it was a big, um, big, very popular line on Twitter last or almost two years ago, I guess, when that season aired now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is true, right? Tom, Tom is a, is a joke on that show, but he's right sometimes. Oh, I love that. I love that line. That's very cool. Very cool. And apropos. You, you know, Mary Kay, what have we spent so much time talking about on this podcast for the last, what, 10, 11 months now? Is that is Baker Mayfield, are you going to pay him? Mm-hmm. And this Odell thing just hangs over all of it, doesn't it? Because in theory, had they traded Odell today, you would have basically had the rest of this season and however long they wanted to go into next season if they didn't do something this offseason to sort of evaluate hey, maybe all that Odell stuff was real and Baker was just better without him. And now look at this guy. Now we're going to pay him a bunch of money. Yes. I don't know if you're going to have those answers. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know either, but I've been thinking again about a lot of this today and trying to figure out what I want to say when I uh, actually sit down and, and write the column. But um, one of the things that I was thinking about was the fact that when I look at some of these young receivers that have come into the league lately, the Justin Jeffersons, half of them end up being from LSU, the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases, right? I mean, the CD Lambs. I mean, there, there are some really, really good young receivers that have come into the league. And the fact that the Browns have had these two Pro Bowl receivers, I think has prevented them from turning the page a little bit and, and moving on and, and drafting a receiver high. And I just have to wonder if, Uh, They just didn't let this experiment go on just a little bit too long, really, because, I mean, they drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round. So, you know, he wasn't necessarily being viewed as your receiver of the future. And then Anthony Schwartz in your third round. I mean, he was a good supplement. He was good to add speed this year and, you know, a good piece of building, you know, a good building piece for down the road. But, you know, it, it just almost seems like, somebody needed to recognize a little sooner that 
the disconnect between Baker and Odell was real, you know, and, and do something about it. And I, well, I, I think they let it go on a little too long. Well, and that's part of like, and, and look, this is, this is a completely different discussion. We don't need to go down this road. We'll be on this pod for another two hours if, if we <laughs> go down this road. But, but I'm just saying, I, I, I saw some people today talk about, well, you know, it was John Dorsey that made that trade for Odell. And it's true. He, he made the trade for Odell. He, he took the shot. But at the same time, I think because of what you just said, Mary Kay, I do think Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski have some ownership in the fact that Odell Beckham is still on this team because they had options. They had opportunities. You know, they, they could have parted ways with Odell and drafted Rashad Bateman at, at 20. At, well, he got drafted right before 26, but they could have traded up to get him or something like that. So they had opportunities to go that route and they decided to keep going with this Jarvis and Odell thing because when you have those two guys, you shouldn't have to draft a young wide receiver. You should be set at the position at least for a few years. So I, I don't think it's just a John Dorsey. I don't think it's just, a, oh man, I can't believe Dorsey made that trade and it's not working. I, th- I think they'd, they take some ownership in this because they've decided to stick with, stick with this. Mm-hmm. I, I think too, the interesting thing that I was thinking about today as all of this is playing out, Odell Beckham Jr.'s situation in Cleveland reminds me, it's almost parallel in my mind to Donovan Peoples-Jones situation at Michigan. Like there's so many similarities I see between the two of those as somebody who covered DPJ his last year in college. Like all the discussions were, why can't this five-star, this former number one recruit produce? Why can't they figure out how to use him right? Why can't him and Shea Patterson get on the same page? Like he never had a 100 yard receiving game in college. Um, And I think the difference in that situation was DPJ decided to enter the draft. Like he decided it wasn't going to work for him at Michigan. And there wasn't a point to stay there that last year. Um, and it was a decision that paid off at least in the short term last year with, we saw his production there. We saw what Michigan did and obviously all the COVID things that hindered that. But, um, I do think there is an example on the Browns of a similar situation at a level below this one and it working out ultimately because of the separation that occurred. The other thing to consider is that I actually think they would have trade Odell this past off season, uh, but he was coming off the ACL. And once he suffered the ACL, then his contract was guaranteed for this year, heading into the season. So $12.79 million of his $15.7 million cap hit this year became guaranteed when he tore that ACL. And that's when it became almost impossible to trade him. Who's going to pick that kind of a salary up, right? I think they would have done it. I'm pretty sure that if they had gotten the right offer heading into the season, they would have. I mean, they really didn't have a whole lot of choice in what, in what they needed to do. However, having said that, they probably still could have worked around it and, and drafted a, a replacement high, knowing that this is probably going to be the last year. It's going to be the last year for Odell. It could be the last year for Jarvis. So, you know, it wouldn't have been the worst idea in the world to go out and get yourself a really good blue chip receiver. Well, Mary Kay, you just took my point, just drop kicked it right out of window. <gasps> so sorry. Were you going to say that? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. The whole, uh, the whole Browns could have moved on this past off season. Anyway, yes. Real quick, I because I, I know Mary Gabe said you, you, you actually want to do some writing tonight. Um, <laughs> the Odell Beckham thing kind of 
took up all the airspace of the trade deadline. But just real quick, I'm curious if either of you were surprised that the Browns didn't make any moves at all today, whether it was to find some offensive line depth or I don't know, maybe find a linebacker or something like that. Or are either of you surprised that the Browns didn't do anything today? Um, I, I guess I, I'm mildly surprised that some little trade didn't happen. I, I thought maybe they'd, uh, like you said, add some offensive line depth. That's not easy to do, though. I mean, who's giving up good offensive tackles these days, right? I mean, there's so many injuries in the NFL right now uh, that everybody needs something. And uh, there's just not a whole bunch of really good players on the market that, uh, you know, that you can get your hands on. And I'm sure they try. I know they try. I know they worked the phones. And they even talked to teams on, on Tuesday about Odell. I mean, obviously they, they did that, but um, you know, yeah, I, I guess I'm mildly surprised that they didn't end up with offensive line depth or secondary depth. I thought they'd try to do something in those areas. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much agree with just about everything Mary Kay said. I, I, I don't know that I expected some sort of blockbuster move and um, even what reading what Mary Kay wrote, earlier in this week, like we kind of knew that a big Odell trade was probably not going to be super feasible given the money situation. But, you know, I think overall, like given all the injuries they've had, like maybe try to add some depth, but you know, and Mary Kay and I talked about this offline yesterday. Like this is a problem with these injuries this year. That isn't just the Browns. Like it's, it's across the league. Like, I I don't know where that depth necessarily comes from at this point. So I would say, on a one to five scale, I was like at a two in my surprisedness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not super surprised. I think they value those draft picks so much that it was going to take a lot for them to, to want to make a deal. And I, and I do believe that like when you kind of look at their situation injury wise, they're going to be getting cream hunt back soon. You know, he's kind of one of the driving engines of this offense. He'll be back by the end of the month. Jeremiah Wusu Kormo will be back by the end of the month or in early December, probably at the latest. Um, you know, Jarvis Landry's going to get healthier. Who knows what's going to happen with Odell. If they keep him and he's playing, he'll probably get healthier. So I, I think they're banking on a lot of that. And again, you look at this, you look at the AFC, the Browns are four and four and they're two games behind the Titans who are in first and just lost Derrick Henry. So it's still wide open, but now you've got to go to Cincinnati and, and take care of business. And the Browns play every every game the Browns have left, except for their NFC games. The two NFC games are against teams ahead of them in the standings. So, I mean, it really is still right there in front of them. And I, and I feel like that was kind of the message from today from this team is they're going to get healthier and there's still a lot that they can do to get into the playoffs and even compete in the division still. Absolutely. And you know what? Although I, I watched uh, when I was watching Monday Night Football, I saw, I had the sense that the Browns remaining schedule was, was very difficult. Uh, But to see it in the graphic (laughs) that it is the second toughest schedule, the rest of the way to the Kansas city chiefs, that's meaningful. Uh, The, the level, the talent level of your opponent and the strength of schedule is vitally important in where you end up at the end of the season. So they don't have any easy games left really, except for one. Okay, there we go. Our trade deadline edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. If you're not a football insider subscriber, you should be. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click that blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. And make sure you're subscribed uh, to this podcast wherever you listen to your pods so that as soon as it posts, it goes right on your phone. Uh, five days a week, post-game pods, trade deadline pods, all this stuff. Make sure you're subscribed uh, so you can get this right on your phone or wherever you listen to your podcast. So for Mary Kay 
and Ashley on Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.